Hey everyone, it's Simon here. Welcome to our podcast for the week. On behalf of my wife, Maria, and I, and our whole Everyone Church fam, welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope you're doing well. If you're new or visiting, make sure you check us out on Instagram, Facebook, our website. Come and visit us. Come come to church. We're meeting in person every week now, and we are just enjoying the journey of planting and establishing Everyone Church in our region, which we're really excited about. But we've been sharing through this thought around the principle of little by little for a number of weeks and how we are all on a little by little journey toward where God is calling us. And within that, we've been focusing in on love and how we're all on a little by little journey in the way of love. And that love is Christ-like love, not worldly love, not self-centered love. You know, I'm all for self-love and making sure we look after ourselves, all that kind of stuff. But let's not forget what Christ-like love really looks like. And it looks like this. In Ephesians 5, 2, it says, Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And we see in this one verse that Christ-like love is selfless. It says that Christ gave himself up for us and that it's also God-honoring. It says that it was a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God is what Paul says. So that's what our love should look like, Christ-like love. It should be built upon selflessness and God-centeredness, right? And last week, we started to build upon that and expand on that and, and, and look at what that really looks like uh, in our outworking. And we talked about our little-by-little little journey in love toward unity, unity. And unity is so important in the body of Christ. Uh, the enemy would love us to be divided because we're so much stronger together. And what truly binds us together is Christ's love. Is love. You know, unity of opinion only lasts as long as the opinion does. Unity of methodology only lasts as long as the methods don't change, right? And if we want consistent and lasting unity in our marriage, in the church, it has to be founded on Christ-like love. And if you missed any of those weeks, make sure you scroll back, check the previous episodes on our podcast, and that would be awesome. I've heard some good stories this week of people binging previous episodes of our podcast and also checking out previous uh, um, videos on our YouTube channel of our old um, online services, which is awesome. That's what they're there for. That's why we work so hard to put together the best sermons we can so that you can use them in any way possible. So let's get right back into our core scripture from last week and in Philippians 2, and let's continue reading because I believe this chapter shows us where the next outworking of love is for us. And we're just kind of enjoying this journey together through the scriptures. But Paul says in Philippians chapter two, we'll read from verse one. He says this, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. So This is what we were sharing on last week. Paul is encouraging the Philippian church to be united. And he says to be united in mind and purpose, which as we studied that, we learned that what Paul is really talking about is having the same person 
in the driver's seat of our soul, of, of, of our inner feelings and affections, and, and our soul seat is what I call it. And now imagine if in your soul is like this, in your inner feelings and affections, there's like a driver's seat. And whatever and whoever is in that seat is what drives your feelings, your affections. And for many of us, our, our affections are, are not driven by Christ. In fact, I was, I was speaking to a good friend recently who who admitted that his father has been in his soul seat for a long time. And you know, that could be the same for all of us. We have authoritative figures or, or things in our lives, people, relate past relationships that take the driver's seat of our soul. Who is sitting in your soul seat today? Who's driving your feelings and affections? Who dictates your inner dialogue? And Paul is saying that in order for us to be united, we should all have the same driver in the seat of our feelings and affections. And if I have Jesus in my soul seat and you have Jesus in your soul seat, well, now we really have something in common as Christ's love outworks out of me and you, and we start getting some real lasting unity happening. Jesus, take the wheel, right? So let's continue here in verse 3, where Paul starts to show the results of that. Philippians 2 verse 3, he says, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. And then verse 5, which is our core verse for today, he says this, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. The same attitude that Jesus had. And I want to talk today about our little by little journey in our attitude, in our attitude. And the word for attitude there is from the original Greek, it's the word phreneo, which means to think and feel, to think and feel. And Paul actually uses this word nine times in this letter alone. It's a big part of Paul's letter to the Philippians is to teach them that right feelings come from right thinking. And this is a big theme throughout this letter. He talks about things like joy and perseverance and living Christ-like, and all of this stems from our phreneo, our thinking, our attitude, okay? Which gets back to this whole soul seat conversation. This is why I kind of recap that, because it's a big part of today as well. And what sits in my soul seat, what I think about, what, what where my attitude sits, it's all kind of intertwined, and it's very powerful. My inner dialogue, my inner worries even, and in many ways, my emotions follow my thoughts. I heard someone say once that your emotions have nowhere to go unless your mind becomes their Uber driver. Uh, like emotions have no independent energy. They, they have to be driven, and our thoughts drive them which become, uh, like this becomes a bit of a tricky journey because most of my thoughts are in my subconscious, like 90% of them. Like, have you ever felt a certain way and you're like, why do I feel this way? Only to find after doing some digging that there was like a deep thought in you, a worry, a thought that was driving this feeling of unease, right? Because all of us have like we have value systems that we've bought into in our subconscious. Like there's like a little, you know, th- there's something sitting in our soul seat saying, hey, I- I've got the steering wheel here. I'm-, I'm driving this, okay? Maybe it's the approval of someone or the disapproval of someone. Maybe living in the shadow of, of, a, of a previous authority, all these types of things. And on top of that, we have thought patterns and habits that need changing as well. So it gets very complicated, right? Like uh, when I um, used to catch the bus home from high school, I would get dropped off and I would walk home to my house, to my parents' house. And 
I would walk across this field because across the street from their house, they had this kind of field, which is not a lot of houses now, but I would walk across this field and um, I'd walk the same route every day. And over time, it wore like a path. So even if the grass was long, there was a path for me to follow. And this is how our thinking works too. Like if I think the same way all the time, my worry, my inner dialogue over and over again, the next thing I know is I've formed a thought path or a pattern. And we must do the work of changing the route of our thinking. And our thinking affects our habits and all these types of things. So this is where we get things like cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Now, I'm not a therapist, okay? Just want to clarify, but I know what cognitive behavioral therapy is. It's, it's the the uh, route of like trying to change the channel of your thoughts and behavior, with, like with triggers or with behaviors like tapping or or you know, or something. But the, 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 whole, the whole realm of thinking is complicated. And our thought life, in many ways, is formed by external forces and our upbringing, our experiences. But Paul is addressing some thinking here. And I know it says the word attitude, but we know this word is phreneo, which means thinking and feeling. So he's encouraging the Philippians to think like Christ, to have the attitude of Christ, because loving like Christ will lead to thinking like Christ, which leads to loving like Christ, which leads to thinking like Christ, and and we get a great holy momentum happening, right? And we are all on this little by little journey in our attitude and thinking. So how did Jesus think? Like, what did he think about? Lots of things, but Paul outlines a bit of it here in the very next verse. So let's start from Philippians 2, verse 5 that we just read. He says this, you must have the same attitude that Jesus had. In other words, think this way, phreneo this way. And then verse 6, he outlines what this is. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Wow. that It's a bit of a hymn there that Paul kind of dives into and it continues onward. But think about this for a moment. Here's Jesus. He's God. He becomes a human. That's a downgrade. He becomes a slave servant. That's a downgrade. He dies a criminal's death on the cross. That's a huge downgrade. So Paul is encouraging the Philippians, and he encourages us today, too, that to have the same phreneo as Jesus, has the same attitude and thought pattern as Jesus, who had a willingness to become lowly, a thought pattern or attitude that wasn't orientated around privilege and pleasure and position and power, but instead it was orientated around purpose. Please catch this with me today. When I have a greater purpose in me, a God purpose in my thoughts and attitudes, in my phreneo, I am willing to serve that purpose at any cost. Jesus was willing to forego his privilege and position. And why did he do this? Because he had a greater purpose, right? He had a greater purpose than holding on to his privilege. And it says this in Hebrews 12 too, because of the joy awaiting him. That's his purpose, right? Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, Now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Jesus had his purpose in the forefront of his attitude. And his purpose directed his practice. And 
we when we talk about things like love and unity and and thinking and attitude and being Christ centered, we having Him in our soul seat, it radically changes how we view our purpose for living. What purpose do you think about? Money, bills, work, survival, kids. I mean, Paul says, have the same attitude that Jesus had. Have the same phreneo, the same mode of thinking and feeling. Living for the purposes of God. Living mission-minded, right? That's one of our values here at church, to live mission-minded. You know, uh, nobody who's about to have children or wants to have children sits there and says, man, I just cannot wait to change stinky nappies, (laughs) I just can't wait to be pooed on by my kids or or be vomited on or I can't wait to have no sleep. No one signs up for that. No, but instead, what do they say? They say, I can't wait to hold my child. The, you know, the purpose is greater than the lowly practices because you love your kids. You're willing to get lowly. Now, this is really interesting that Paul is encouraging the Philippians, of all people, to have the same attitude of Christ because Philippi was a Roman colony. Like just looking at some cultural context here, like, like this although there were many free cities like Thessalonica and all that kind of stuff, Philippi was actually a colony of Rome which brought about lots of legal privileges and they kind of prided themselves of being Roman, like to being to be called Philippian was in many ways to be called Roman and they lived in relative privilege because of this. And to become a Christian would have an effect on that privilege because Rome wasn't cool with the Jews and Christianity was considered like an offshoot of Judaism. And for example, if you wanted to pray uh, in Philippi, you had to go outside the city, down by the river. You couldn't bring new religions, quote unquote, into a Roman colony. They didn't want that. So in fact, this is how the whole Philippian church started. Paul was praying by the river outside the city, outside the colony, where he met a woman named Lydia. You can read about that in Acts chapter 16. So you were shedding your privilege to be associated with Christ. And Paul is saying, think like Jesus. Have his attitude. Have his Freneo, be willing to stoop down, be willing to shed privilege and position. And he even says it in earlier in Philippians in one chapter one, verse twenty-seven, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. So hey, you, you pride yourself on being Roman, right? Uh, remember your citizenship is in heaven. Remember your purpose is Christ. Your life has a God purpose. You might feel like you're just wandering through life today. Maybe you feel like you're just purposeless. Hey, change your attitude. Fix your thoughts. I love what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 to 3. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. What we think about has a great bearing on our life. You know, there is a battle for the steering wheel of your thought life. And Paul knew this. It is such a huge theme in his writings. Uh, plus, you know, much of Roman culture was like heavily philosophical. It was like part of their their shtick, you know. And and it's it's no wonder he'd be encouraging people with verses like this in Romans twelve two, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing, and perfect. So what is holding the steering wheel of your thought life today? Worry, disappointment, 
distraction. Paul says, hey, have the same attitude as Christ. Think like him. And we're all on a little by little journey in our attitude and thinking, in our freneo. And later in Philippians, Paul says this. I love this. In Philippians 4.8, he says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, this isn't some positive thinking guru thing. It's just reality. If I don't think about Jesus, I should fix that. My attitude, my thinking, my freneo should be like Christ, Christ-centered, Christ-steered. And as I give him the steering wheel of my thought life, as I fix my thoughts on him, I start to experience this joy that is in him, right? As I put him in my soul seat, as we talked about last week, I can experience what it's like to actually live with Christ leading me. This is what this is what the aim is for us, right? We want to we want to have Jesus in everything. Jesus in absolutely everything. This is the goal for us that he would be our reward. That he would be what we pursue in life. His purposes. Like if I was to sum up the last 3 weeks that we've had together talking through love and unity and these type of things. I w- I would sum it up like this. Jesus in my love, Jesus in my soul, and Jesus in my attitude and thinking. And if we do this, if we have him in our love and our soul and our attitude and thinking, uh, we will see Jesus in our unity. We will see Jesus in our purpose for living. And we will see Jesus to everyone, everywhere. Amen. We're all on a little by little journey toward Jesus and all he would have us do and how he would have us live. And a lot of that takes place in our thinking, in our thinking. So get in God's word, read, you know, get in prayer, fix your thoughts on him this week. So what's what's been taking the steering wheel of your thought life today? Is God's purpose for your life on your mind? Do you live mission-minded? Do you need a Holy Ghost attitude adjustment in some ways, right? Uh, We need to surrender to Him. We need to allow Him to do that deep work in us. Can I pray for you? Let me pray. Lord, I thank you that living for you is so practical. I thank you that living for you is so real. And we just surrender the steering wheel of our thought life to you. We fix our thoughts on you today. And Lord, forgive us for times we've allowed ourselves to get distracted, Lord. We steward our mind and we focus on you today. Help us. Remind us by your Holy Spirit. Help us to live this way and help us to live with you at the center of it all. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, hey, do you know what? I hope these last few weeks of teaching has really kind of encouraged you and equipped you uh, to to grow in him. And next week, we've got Pastor Scott with us uh, in person. I'm not sure what we're going to do with the podcast. We'll figure that out next week. But We will hopefully see you in the next coming weeks at church in person. Have a blessed, blessed week.